How's everybody this morning? Hanging in there? I want you to open with me to John. John chapter 14 uh, is going to be our text this morning. But we'll back up a few verses just so we can get the the context. And basically where we left off uh, last Sunday is here. John chapter 13. Jesus had washed the disciples' feet. And he said in verse 35, By this all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That that would be the symbol of what it is to be a Christian. A lot of people want to put a lot of things on. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means this. It means that. You, you have to have been, you know, a part of some ritual or some, some kind of concept. But Jesus said the proof of the Spirit in your life would be love. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I have not love, it profits me nothing. Though I have all faith, and I can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, if I have not love, it means nothing. So Jesus telling his disciples, here is the key, guys. Here is the thing. Here is that part that you can point to in your life and say, man, I know that I belong to the Lord because this love that I have for one another. Well, where does that love come from? Romans 5 tells us the love of God is poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. How do we get, how do we get more? What if I need more love? We sing songs, right? More love, more power. We want more of you, Lord, in our life. How does that happen? Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, He said, listen, if your children come and ask you for, for a piece of bread, will you give them a stone? If your children ask you for a piece of fish, will you give them a scorpion? Jesus said, well, if you, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. That's it. We just ask. And that love of God in our life. I love the fact that, that Calvary Chapel Buell is known for at least one thing. And that is that we are loving people. We love each other. We care about one another. You have a hard time getting in and out without getting a hug or a handshake or somebody reaching out to you. And that's how it ought to be in God's house. That people would be showing love to one another. Well, look, Peter then said to him, Lord, where are you going? Because Jesus was talking about the fact that I'm leaving. You guys aren't going to be able to follow me. So now Peter, he, he, he understands these things that the Lord's laying out for him. But he wants to know, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered and said, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. It's not time yet, Peter, for you to come after me. Where was Jesus going? He's going to the cross. He was going to the cross. He was going to become the sacrifice that that cast away the sins of the world. Jesus was going to become that. He said to, to Peter, you can't come right now, but you will. You will. Jesus not only speaking of the fact that he's going to heaven and it's not time for Peter to come yet, but also, I think, speaking about the sacrifice that Peter is going to make. Because Peter's greatest fear, folks, in his life is that he would deny the Lord. That he wouldn't be able, when the time came, when the chips were down, he wasn't going to be able to stand. That was his fear, right? The Gospels tell us, Jesus told Peter during this discourse, hey, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you. And when you're restored, strengthen the brethren. Jesus knew Peter was going to fall. He knew Peter was going to fail. He knows you and I are going to fail. But that didn't break the... uh, uh, The communion that God had or the love that Jesus had for Peter. He said, when you're restored, you strengthen the brethren. Because, folks, we're strengthened when we each learn to stand. When we stand there. For having done all, when we stand. When we don't stay down. This world can hit, can it? Can hit pretty hard. 
Life is hard. The Bible tells us that. The Bible also tells us God is good. We want to be able to stand with Him. Stand strong. So Peter, Jesus said, you'll follow me afterward. But Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? He doesn't even really know what he's asking, does he? Sometimes that's the way we are when we're talking with the Lord. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Do you believe that Peter meant it? Man, I believe he meant it. I believe Peter meant that he was willing to die for the Lord. And I think the proof that Peter was willing to die for the Lord comes when they came and arrested Jesus. The Bible says all the other disciples fled. What did Peter do? He pulled out a sword. That's like, you know, drawing a gun. You pull out the sword, what happens? Them other guys with swords will take care of business. Peter was willing to die for Jesus, folks. He was willing to die. But what was it Jesus called him to do? Live for me. And that is where it got hard. When it was, I can just, I'll just die for you. I'll just give my life. I'm willing to give my life. And the Lord says, no, I want you to live for me. Peter began to struggle in that. Here Peter says, Lord, I'll die for you. And Jesus says to him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. The rooster shall not crow. Now, this is depressing news, don't you think? Jesus washed their feet. He's talking to them about love and this being the mark. Of, of being a brother, that, that that really is what should flow through the life of a believer. And then he says, I'm leaving and you guys can't come. And Peter says, well, I'll be, I'm willing to die for you. And the Lord says, no, you're going to deny me. This is getting kind of heavy. Last 24 hours. The final 24 hours before the cross. And then John 14, 1 begins. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me. You ever feel like your heart is troubled? I reckon Peter's heart was troubled. That wasn't a word that he wanted to hear. He wanted to hear that, that he was going to be able to make that strong stand for the Lord. But now he hears he's going to deny the Lord. And Jesus is going away and he's not going to be here anymore. And, and how is all this happening? And it doesn't make sense in our minds. And then the Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. It's an exclamation. Trust me. And then he gives this message. As he goes on, John chapter 14, verse 2, he says, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Let not your heart be troubled. He's talking specifically to these guys whose hearts are so heavy, the whole world seems to be going sideways. God, what's happening? What's going on? And what is Jesus' promise to them? What is His hope to them? I am preparing a place for you, and I'm coming back for you. That's his promise to them. During the, the Vietnam War, there was a, a particular unit that, in an offensive that was going on that got cut off from everyone else. One platoon on their own. The rest of the company was off somewhere else. They couldn't get to them. These guys were pinned down and they're fighting. They're fighting day and night. And finally, after several days, they're coming to the point where they are out of ammo. Like, this guy's got one or two rounds. This guy's got a couple. This guy's, they're, they start to talk to one another. Man, it's not going to work. We need to give up. We need to surrender. We need to, it's not, we can't fight. We're, we're just going to die here. We don't have any more rounds. We don't have any more bullets. What are we going to do? And as they're sitting around and talking about that, talking about what it was like to be cut off from the rest of the company, cut off from the ones that, 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 were their supply. They gave everything that they needed. As they're talking about that, they get together, the other company gets together, and they think, man, these guys got to be despairing. What can we do? 
So they got a bunch of, of Huey helicopters, and they loaded those helicopters up with notes, and they flew over the area where those guys were cut off, and they threw out everything they had, all the notes that they had. And sure enough, some of those notes landed with those guys. Right on the brink of surrender, right on the brink of giving up. And they opened up that note, they turned it over, and the note said, hang in there, we're coming for you. And they fought for several more days until the company got to them. Why were they able to go on? Why didn't they give up? What was the word? We're coming for you. Yeah, you're cut off now, but I'm coming for you. Isn't that what Jesus is saying to his disciples? Hey, life is hard and things are sideways and everything's upside down. But this is how your heart won't be troubled. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. They did an experiment. They took rats. Anytime you want to do an experiment on people, I guess you ought to take a rat. So they take these rats and they put them in a bucket of water. And they time them. Now, if you're a, a rat lover, I'm sorry. The story doesn't have a happy ending. They put the rats in a bucket of water and they time them. And those rats swam in that water for 10 minutes and then they drowned. And then they took another group of rats and they put them in a the bucket of water. But every seven minutes, someone would reach down and pick the rat up out of the water. Hold it for a second. And put it back. And that rat swam for several hours before it drowned. What was the difference? And one rat just swam and drowned in 10 minutes. This other one swimming for hours. Why? Because it had the promise that someone was going to pick me up. Someone was coming for me. In the Marine Corps, we had a motto. Still do have a motto in the Marine Corps. We don't leave anyone behind period now maybe some people like it some people don't but if you are cut off even if you're slain on the field marines will die to go back and get you why people say well that's that doesn't make any sense that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard of people are dying to go get someone who's already died well let me tell you if you're that marine cut off all alone sitting in the desert wondering if anybody cares about you you go to sleep that night knowing My brothers are coming. My brothers are coming and you will not give up. Jesus said to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Here's my word to you. In my daddy's house, there are lots of rooms and there's a place I have built specifically for you that you fit in my father's house. And if I go to his house, my promise to you is I will come again. He spoke that to his disciples. He spoke that to his disciples to lighten their heart in their struggle. And those same disciples, folks, those same guys, for their entire ministry did what? They looked toward the return of their Lord. They didn't give up and quit. They didn't say, well, life is hard and and God hasn't shown up yet. They lived every day looking for their Savior because they knew He said, He'll come for me. Man, that encourages our hearts. That encourages us in those times when, when life is sideways and hard. He would say, in the, Paul would write in the book of Thessalonians, he would tell the, the disciples, listen, comfort one another with this promise. What was the promise? The promise that one day the Lord would descend in the air and there would be a shout in the heavens and the, and the, and the trump of God would sound and the dead in Christ would be caught up and we who are alive and remain would join them in the air forever to be with the Lord. What did he say? Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. Because when we know Jesus is coming for us, it changes everything. Changes the way we look at everything we do. Jesus is coming for me, 
He built a place for me. Just me, just you. Exactly what you need. Exactly what it's all about. And one day, folks, and none of us will be disappointed on that day, one day we will see him face to face. Jan saw him, and I promise she wasn't disappointed. She saw her Savior face to face. And he showed her, this is the place I prepared for you. From the foundation of the world, this is your place. This is where you belong. Now we want to hold on to that promise and not let our hearts be troubled. In verse 4 he says, now, where I go, you know. And the way you know. And then we have the most incredible thing ever, right? In verse 5, we have a man asking for directions. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Nor do we know the way. It's a miracle because I wouldn't have done it. I'd have been one of the other 11 guys nodding my head like I knew what was going on. Lord, we don't know. And so Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. No one comes to the Father. People are always saying, Christianity is so narrow. Uh, Yeah. It has to be. Jesus cannot be a good teacher. He cannot be a good person and at the same time say, He is God and He is the only way to the Father. You can't have it both ways. Either Jesus is Lord or you have to throw him out because he cannot be anything else. If he's not the Lord, if he's not the great I am, if he's not the the fire from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, if he's not all those things he said he was, then he's, he's a liar. But he is all those things. And I'm so thankful for this verse because every time I'm wondering, Lord, I don't know where to go, I remember that my God said to me, I am the way. So we would wear those bracelets for years. Remember those? What would Jesus do? Why? Because if we think about that, it tells us the way. Jesus would say, I am the truth. Lord, I don't know what's true. I don't know what's right. I hear all these things in the world, all these different arguments, all these different Bodies of opposition out there, God, what's true? And Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. Anything in opposition is false, period. And then he said, I am life. I am the life. Zoe. I am abundant, unstoppable life. Is it because life will never end? Folks, we all know that that the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. We all have our date, whatever it is. It's appointed unto man once to die. But when we die, what does the Scripture say? To be absent from the body, present with the Lord right now. Right now. We may have a life, this life, this body may end one day. But it's unstoppable when we surrender this life to the Lord and we allow God to work in our lives. We are unstoppable. Like Paul. What did they do to Paul? They stoned Paul. They beat Paul. They rested Paul. They put him in jail. They kept him him in jail for about a third of his life. And still, what did Paul do? Uh, Not much. He wrote 13 books in the Bible. He started countless churches, was responsible for spreading the gospel to Europe, that the gospel would go to the the known world, all while the enemy was doing his best to beat him down. I call that life. That is life. If you're looking for that easy cake life, I don't know, this is it. I, I, I haven't experienced that. I want to experience unstoppable life. I want to experience a life that says, it doesn't matter how many times or how many things or how many challenges we face, I will not give up until I see Jesus face to face. And when the times are hard, I'm going to comfort myself and saying, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm waiting for him. I'm abiding in this place. I'm doing the work he's called me to do until he calls me home. I put my faith and trust 
in him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's only one way to the Father. Jesus told us there are not multiple lanes that go to heaven. There's not multiple ways. There's not multiple religions. There's one truth. One way, and that goes through Jesus Christ. Without the Son, you do not or cannot have the Father. One is not separate from the other. If you ever get a chance to go to the Holy Land and they open up the Dome of the Rock to you, you can walk inside and see the inscription in the Dome of the Rock, the third most holy site for the Islamic faith. And in the Dome of the Rock it said, God does not begot, nor is He begotten. One God, not the same. It's not the same. Truth matters. And that's what Jesus is saying. There's one way. One truth, one life, and it's found in Jesus Christ. So the scripture goes on in verse 7. Well, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him, and you have seen him. And Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Man, is that where you're at? What is that one thing that you're saying in your life? Just If I could just have this, that's all I need. That's all I want. I just want this. For Philip, what was it? I want to see the Father. Show me the Father. That's sufficient. You ever had like a killer time of worship? You're worshiping the Lord. Man, have you ever said, well, that's sufficient. I don't need to worship anymore. That was it. I hit it. I never had that happen. You ever been studying the Word and God reveal His truth to you and you're going, wow, this is awesome. That's it. It's sufficient. The one thing that Philip says that I love is, show me the Father. Man, I just want to see God. Isn't that what Moses said? Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said to Moses, you can't handle it. You can't handle the glory. Here's what I'll do, Moses. I'm going to put you in a rock. I'm going to put you in this crevice in a rock. This crack in a rock. That's where I'm going to put you, Moses. And I'm going to hold my hand, as it were, over you and I'm going to pass by and I'm going to allow you to see the afterglow. And the afterglow of God was enough to make His face shine for 40 days. The afterglow of God. Isn't it interesting that He put Him in a rock? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that Jesus is the rock. Isn't it interesting that in the rock there was a crevice, a crack, Where did that crack come from? Because the rock was smitten. Moses smit the rock, right? Because the Son of God would be smitten for our sins. And so in that crack, in that crevice, God has made a place for us. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Same rock, folks. Same rock. So... This is what Philip says. Man, I want to see the Lord. Listen, I don't want you to miss this next verse. So Jesus said, Have I been with you so long and you haven't known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I don't know how many more times Jesus can say, He is God manifest in the flesh. You say you want to see the Father? I'm the Father. That's what he's saying. If you see me, you've seen the Father. The Bible tells us God is invisible. The, our ability to see God, to know God, is through His Son, Jesus Christ. He reveals God to us. So, Philip, you want to see, see the Father? It's right here. Look at me. You want to know the way? Look at me. You want to know the truth? It's right here. You want to experience life? It's in me. You want to spend eternity in a place prepared for you. It's all found in a relationship with me. It's all in Christ. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And we talked about this a couple of times. 
Isaiah 61, the prophet told the people when the Messiah came, this is what he would do. The lame would walk, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the dead would be raised to life again. He will give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And Jesus said, look, if you don't just believe my words, look at what I'm doing. It's what the Bible said Mashiach would do. That's what the Bible said would take place. So what's he do? Jesus is walking into Jerusalem one day, and here comes a funeral procession. Everybody mourning, everybody weeping, everybody crying. As they pass by, Jesus touches the casket. And that young man comes to life again. What did he just give him? Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That Jesus was all about that. And so he says, look at the works that I do. They speak to who I am. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. Folks, when Jesus was manifest in the flesh, Jesus... He was in one place at one time. He had set aside the, the great emptying in Philippians 2, 5-8. through 8. He had made Himself of no reputation. He came in the bonds of flesh. And as He comes in the bonds of flesh, He says, now I go to my Father. And that's a good thing, because when I go to my Father, I'm going to give the, another Helper, the Spirit, And He's going to be in you all, through you all, the power to make you more than what you are. And these things which I have done, you will do. What was the things that Jesus did? Well, there are some people that say, well, He's not talking about the miracles, because miracles don't happen anymore. I don't know. We had a little baby come up front in, in church a few years ago, was going in for surgery for his eyes were all messed up. But we laid hands, anointed him with oil, prayed for him. And the next morning, we got a message. They canceled the surgery because the doctors went in for surgery and said, what's wrong with this baby's eyes? Nothing wrong with his eyes. Well, I don't know. Why don't miracles happen all the time? Well, because it's up to God. He's the one who gives a gift. He's the one who says, this is how things need to go, and, this is, and you need to trust me. So we trust him. Jesus said, these things I do, and greater you will do. But I think he's talking a lot more, more than just about miracles, more than just about the stuff that brought the masses. He's talking about your ability to bring people into the family of God. How many people got saved in Jesus' ministry? First day Peter preached, 3,000 people were saved. A few days later, 5,000 were added to the number. And I think Peter would say, man, people are coming. People are getting saved. Why is that possible? Because Jesus died, rose again, and went to the Father. And He sent the Spirit, and the Spirit begins His work in the body of the church. Greater things even than, than Jesus did as the Spirit calls Woos, brings, people get saved, give their life to Jesus Christ, take an opportunity to publicly proclaim, hey, I'm a believer. As they come forward in in baptism and other opportunities that they have to to give their, their faith, Jesus said, look at these things and greater you will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Now, folks, there are people who think when you pray these, this phrase, in the name of Jesus, it's like hocus pocus, and you get whatever you ask for. That's not what the verse is saying. Whatever you ask in accordance to who I am, in accordance to my name, in character with who I am, you're going to have it. Whatever you ask, what's he saying? Literally, almost, whatever you ask according to my will, according to who I am, what I'm about. We sit there and pray, Lord, give me that new Mercedes. And I didn't get it. What happened? I said in the name of Jesus. Well, it wasn't according to Jesus' character. Jesus said, 
The, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Do you see Jesus trucking around in a Mercedes? Now, if the Lord gives you a Mercedes, good. Enjoy it. For every good and perfect gift comes from who? Our Father in heaven. And he gives those things to us. Here he says, whatever you ask in my name, in accordance with my name, that I will do, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Listen, he's given us some clues, folks. We, We just kind of zoom back for a moment. First, he's telling us, don't let your hearts be troubled. You have the hope of heaven. You have a hope of a home. The hope of Jesus coming for his people. You have that hope. First part. Secondly, you have the, 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 the reality of, of who God is. The example of God in Jesus Christ. We want to hold on to that. Now he says, I want you to pray. James says, you have not because you ask not. James says, you have not because... You ask amiss that you may use it up on yourself. Jesus said, ask according to my name. Things happen when God's people pray. It doesn't mean I get my will done. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not that I would get my will. Prayer aligns my will with the Father. What did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? Didn't he pray, Lord, if there be any way to take this cup from me? Did the Lord take away the cup? No. What did Jesus say? Nevertheless, not my will, your will. I want what you want, God. That's what prayer is all about. I want what you want. Teach me what you want. Show me what you want, that I can reflect who you are. I want to be about what you're doing. I want to be all about you. That's our desire. That's our prayer. God wants us to pray. He wants us to pray. And I'm okay, folks. I am okay anointing people with oil and praying for healing and God saying no. Because I trust His ability and I submit to His sovereignty. God knows what He's doing. Has nothing to do... Jesus didn't say, if you have enough faith, when you ask for something in my name, you'll automatically get it. Don't say that. Whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, according to my will, according to what the work that God is doing. And then he gives us another clue. We don't want to be, we don't want to have our hearts be troubled. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience. If you love me, you will obey. You want to do the things that please the person you love. Everybody knows that. So we say, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, but you know, these things God wants me to do, you know, I don't know. Well, the Lord says that for a man and a woman to live together, they ought to be married. Well, you know, he wrote that a long time ago. It's not like that today. I mean, what's the big deal? Just a piece of paper. No, just a commitment to God is what it is. A commitment to the way God established marriage should be. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. It doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. It means that you care enough to do what he asks. He filled the whole book full of them. Hey, here's what I desire from you. Here's what I want you to learn. This is how I want you to walk. God lays all those things for us. Don't let your heart be troubled. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do the things that I lay out for you to do. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you, what does that say? Forever. I will pray that you will have another helper, and He will abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. He will give us this other helper, the Spirit of truth, whom the, Lord, of whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, listen, here's what He's telling us. He's talking about 
the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, and specifically about the disciples. He says, right now he is with you. It's a Greek preposition, para. It means alongside. The Holy Spirit is with you. But Jesus said what? He will be where? In you. When did that happen? John chapter 20. Jesus came to the disciples, breathed on them, and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't say anything that didn't happen. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. What happened? Lazarus came forth. He didn't come forth when he felt like it. It's not like when we call our kids out of the room. Right? Cole! And I hear this faint voice. What? Come here! What do you want? Boy, you better hurry up. I'm getting a bat right now. It was not like that. When Jesus said something, what happened? Right? Whatever he said, when he said, light be, light was. Jesus breathed on the disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was inside them. Happens the moment we give our life to Jesus Christ. We give our life to him, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. So there's a third Greek preposition used in the book of Acts. It is the word epi. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Overflow. The Spirit's in you. It's like a glass of water. When the Spirit is epi, when He's flowing, when He's filled you to overflowing, it's like pouring that water in that cup and watching it all come out. What happens? All that stuff that the Holy Spirit's pouring in your life comes out and affects the people around you. It affects them. You become a witness. Jesus said, stay here in Jerusalem until you have been endowed with power. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, what happened? 3,000 people got saved. Boom. The overflow of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying here, I will pray the Father and He'll send the Spirit. Right now the Spirit's with you. But He will be in you. John chapter 20. And then He will fill you to overflowing. Acts chapter 2. Overflowing of the Holy Spirit poured out upon their life. We don't want our hearts to be troubled then allow the Holy Spirit to empower, to overflow, to move in a mighty way in your life. He goes on and says, Now, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you live too. Because I live, you'll live too. Isn't that an incredible promise? I wonder what they're thinking when they look up at Jesus on that cross and he's, his blood flowing out on the ground and he's all torn apart. I wonder if they hear that phrase, because I live, you'll live too. And they put Jesus in the ground and all their hearts are broken and they're, they're weeping and they don't really know what to do. But three days later, what happened? Jesus rose and he said, because I live, you live too. We put our faith and our trust in Him. And He puts in our account righteousness. That righteousness comes from our relationship, our trusting Him. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He who has my commandments, or I'm sorry, verse 20, and at that day you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I in you. Abiding in Christ. On that day you're going to know. When Jesus rose again, when he died on the cross, rose again and ascends to the Father, do you think they had any more questions? They had it all figured out then. They had it all figured out. It's kind of cool. They had it all figured out so much so they would beat him and they would thrash him. And the same guys who crucified Jesus would take Peter and John and they'd beat him up and they'd thrash him and they'd whoop him. And then they'd say, now, if you use the name of Jesus one more time, We're going to do to you what we did to him. And they didn't even get out the room before he says it again. He says, whether it's right for me to obey God or man, you decide. But I can't help but speak the name of Jesus. And they let him go. How do you stop a guy like that? He's not going to stop. Why? Because the life of Jesus Christ is in him. When this day comes, you will know. I am in my Father And you are in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps him. It is he who loves me. 
And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Oh, but guys, it's so hard. I mean, there's like 619 commandments in the Bible. How are we going to keep all those commandments? Well, the good news is, Moses whittled down them, them commandments, and we had the Ten Commandments. And then we get a little bit further, and, and we had three commandments. And we go a little bit further on, and Jesus made how many? Do you know how many Jesus made? One. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. What's the one commandment? Love. What did Jesus say? They will know you are my disciples. How? By your love. If you love me, you'll keep my commandment. What's his commandment? Love. Love the brethren. Love your brother. That love. Judas, not Iscariot, because he's gone said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that cool? We'll make my... Jesus said in the book of Revelation, Behold, I what? Stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will open that door, I will come into him. And sup with him and he with me. Supping is communion. We will have communion together. We will be united. And so here he says, the Father and I will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send... In my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. You ever wonder how the disciples remembered all these stories? Jesus said, I'll send the Holy Spirit and he's going to help you remember everything. That's why when we talk about the Bible, we say the Bible is inspired of God. Literally, God breathed. Well, while there are 40 different authors, there really is one, the Holy Spirit. That's how 40 different people can tell one story written over 1,500 years in 13 different languages on seven different continents. And we don't want to get into all that stuff, do we? But this book is like no other book on the planet. Nothing else even, even compares. Jesus says in verse 27, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled Neither let it be afraid. You see, he's coming back around full circle. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because I'm going to my father's house and I'm making a place for you and I'm coming back for you. Why? Because the father is in me. You want to see the father? He's me. Why? Because you can pray and whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. What? Well, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. My commandments are they love one another. And I will give you the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be an orphan. You're not going to be alone. It's not just you. It never is just you. But it is the Spirit of God guiding and leading and directing. The Spirit of God, He's with you. You're not an orphan. So he says, he completes his thought. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do we have anything to fear? I mean, we look out in the world and it's sideways. The economy's upside down. You know, you can watch the news and be depressed, even if you watch SportsCenter. Sooner or later, your team's going to lose. Somebody's going to get hurt. You know, the... The, well, I won't say that. Anyhow, <laughs> all of these things can happen, and all these things can, can what? Let your heart be troubled and make you afraid. But what did Jesus say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I love you. I'm coming for you. I sent you the Holy Spirit, and you're never going to be alone. You go into the fire, you go into the fire with my spirit by your side in your life, empowering you to be the witness you're being called to be. There's no reason to be afraid. For I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that good news? 
Now, if Peter was saying that to me, I'd be worried. I mean, wouldn't you? I'd be a little nervous. Pete, you know, you had this problem with Jesus and he's way better than me. But who says it to us? Jesus does. I will never leave you or forsake you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I am going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And oh, look, it says the Father is greater than him. Well, yeah, he is. The Father is greater in position than Jesus Christ. Jesus submitted himself. What did the Father say? Because Jesus did that, I, I will exalt his name above every name. Above every name that is named. One of those, by the way, is the name of the Father. That at the name of Jesus, what would happen? Every tongue will confess and every knee will bow to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself and the Father lifts him up. And he gives us that example as well. The Father is greater. When he went to the Father, guys, what did he do? God, we just have to grasp this. When Jesus went to the Father, he made you righteous. Father said the sacrifice counts you can only come to me one way through jesus christ and his sacrifice and when jesus was seated at the right hand of the father the father was declaring the sacrifice is good you come to me robed in his righteousness so he who knew no sin became sin that you and i might become the righteousness of god in christ jesus we are right i don't care what you've done in your life in Christ Jesus, you are perfect. Just men made perfect. In Christ. We put our faith and our trust in Him and He does that work. And how did He do it? When He went to the Father. When He went to the Father. And now, I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. And I no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming... And he has nothing in me. That dark day is coming. But, the world, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise. Let us go from here. Guess where they're going? They're leaving the upper room. And they're going to begin the journey from the upper room to the Mount of Olives. And from the Mount of Olives to the cross. It's that last night. And Jesus said, so you'll know I am who I said I am. I'm telling you this all before it happens. And so you know that I love the Father and I'm not calling you to do something I won't do. I obey the Father's commandment. Whatever He gives me to do, that's what I'm going to do. The Bible says He endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy set before Him. We'll take a look around. Because you're the joy that was set before him. And for you, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and that work is done. So, just like those guys cut off, you and I, we're cut off. We're in enemy territory, folks. This is enemy territory, it's his world. And one day, Jesus is coming back, and he will take control of this world again. No question. Until then, what does he call us to do? Occupy till I come. So we look for him. Every day, we look for Jesus Christ. Live our life for him. Surrender our life to him. And you and I, we can experience what he promised, yeah? That what? These works you will do and greater. As we bring People who don't know Jesus Christ into the family. How do we bring them into the family? We love each other. What's the world looking for? Love. Real love. Not that fake stuff they sell in Hollywood. The real deal. And when they see real love, they want to be a part. And people will come. As we fulfill the call that God gave to us, they will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you and we praise you for the opportunity that you give us, God, to come before you, to open your word, Father God. And we do pray, Father, that it's your word that is heard, Lord Jesus, that it is uh, your voice, Lord God, that is your spirit, according to your word, that teaches us and leads us in the truth. Father, it's our desire, Lord God, that we would just come before you, hearts heavy, and hear your word. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be afraid. God never calls his people to fear. He calls his people to freedom. God never calls his people to fear man, but to love God. He calls it the fear of God, and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, respecting, loving the Father, obeying His command. God, help us just to apply the truth of Your Word to our life. And Father, we thank You that You give us an opportunity today. Today. We don't have them every every day, but today we have an opportunity, God, to make a public proclamation that I believe. That I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So we ask your blessing on the time of baptism. And whosoever comes, whoever comes and and gives their life to the Lord, we may be able to stand as brothers and, and celebrate that public proclamation, Lord God. Father, we thank you that you call us to just rely on you and the power of your spirit. And that your spirit would guide and lead us, Father. We don't have to fear what's going to happen, what's going on. All we have to do is trust you. For if your plan is that we go through a storm, then you'll be our strength to carry us through. If your plan is to calm the storm, then you will say, peace be still. And the waves will listen. Whatever the case, Lord, I only want to put my hand in yours And go on the road that you have laid out before me. That I may fulfill my purpose. For the joy that is set before me. That I endure my cross. That we would take up our cross daily and follow you. And whether in victory or defeat. Whether in good times or bad. That we, by our example, may give glory to the Father. Uh, Can't stop a life like that. So, Father, we pray you would make us like you, make us like that. Father, as we lean to you, be our strength and shield. Be our exceedingly great reward. For you are all that matters. And we give you all the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship this morning. We invite you to hang out. If we have prayer counselors, if you want to come on up, we have opportunity. If anyone has anything they'd like to pray about, we want you to have an opportunity to come up for prayer. Um, If you are going to go ahead and go to the baptism, uh, we'll be there after church.